0: It was nearly nine years ago now in March of 2015 that a deadly shooting during a drug robbery gone wrong would not only make headlines in Miami where it happened, but here at home and around the world. Just weeks after she had arrived in South Florida to take on the role as Canada's consul General with her 17-year-old son Jean and 15-year-old son Mark, Roxanne Dubé found herself at the center of a robbery and murder story. In a matter of moments, her eldest son Jean was dead and her youngest son was in police custody. And we have breaking news right off the top tonight. And one of the sons of the Canadian Consul General in Miami is dead. Another son is facing a murder charge tonight in connection with a shooting in Miami. Miami Police Chief Rudy Giannis telling CBS 4 News that 15-year-old Mark Wabafia-Bazu and his 17-year-old brother Jean tried to rob some drug dealers yesterday, and during the robbery which took place inside a home in Miami, there was gunfire. Jean was shot and killed. Now, one of the suspected drug dealers was also killed. Police confirmed the teens were in their mom's car which had diplomatic
1: plates. Under Florida law, anyone who participates in a violent felony in which someone dies can themselves face a murder charge. No comment from the Canadian Consul General in Miami, Roxanne Dubé. We will bring you the latest developments as they become available.
0: Now, this all unfolded nine years ago now, back in March of 2015, and it made international headlines for obvious reasons. Here was a person who was representing the Canadian government and her son, 17 and 15 at the time, take off in her car with diplomatic plates ostensibly for the older son to commit a robbery. Now, what the younger son knew, of course, at the time, has always been um, something that has been disputed. Whether he could have even stopped it has often been talked about. A little bit of background. Dubé had been um, sort of climbed her way through the ranks of the Foreign Service. She was not from uh, a family that would necessarily introduce you to those ranks. She grew up in a rural part of Quebec. She became ambassador to Zimbabwe. Uh, she was divorced from the, bo- from the boy's father, Germano waba bazu uh, originally from the Democratic Republic of Congo who she had met while studying in Ottawa. And she had been based in Ottawa for a while. Her eldest son, Jean, had some run-ins with the police. So it was figured that a move to Miami, this incredible opportunity to be consul general there, seemed like the perfect chance for a reset. Instead... At that point, Jean was dead. He had shot and killed an intended victim. Mark was in police custody, facing the possibility of spending decade decades behind bars. All of that in a bid to steal what was police estimated $4,800 worth of marijuana from a young drug dealer named Joshua Wright. Um, although he wasn't involved in the shooting, just to make this clear, Mark was charged with felony first-degree murder and a handful of other offenses. Florida authorities said the teen knew of his brother's robbery plan and was culpable in the ensuing crimes, and he faced 40 or more years in prison. That did not happen. It turned out, and we'll listen. hear this from his mom, that, that it, it, she managed to find a way, he managed to find a way to convince a judge and a courtroom that he was going to be able to be rehabilitated, and he has been. Nearly nine years later, mother and son, her surviving son, are back in Ottawa, and by all intents and purposes, considering what happened nine years ago, back on track. Understandably, it has been a very difficult stretch for all involved, but Dubé has decided to put her story down in a book, a way of not only coming to terms with the horrific events of that day, but also asking herself that very tough question about what more she could have done to prevent all of this from happening what more she could have done as a parent to understand her, her child, her sons, who are, of course, uh, both young and black and living up, growing up in Canada and then in the U.S. at the time. Uh, this is a real soul-searcher for her. And she also hopes to offer parents of teens some lessons as well about parenting and responsibility and what it's like when everything absolutely falls apart for you. Uh, positively, the in a positive note, the book is called Understanding at Last, and former Canadian diplomat and now author Roxanne Dubay joins me now from Ottawa. Thank you for your time tonight.
1: So happy for you to have me.
0: This is a really, I, I gather just from having looked through it, I mean, this was not an easy book to write, it, it, but it's something that you felt like you had to do. Why was that?
1: You're absolutely right. It, it's not what I anticipated to write. I kind of knew I wanted to write, and i I thought it was going to be... Easier in the sense of not involving my role as much as I discovered it it had to be. But once I walked through it, it became very clear to me that the principal reason why I wanted to carry this through was to be clearer on my responsibilities vis-a-vis my children's responsibilities in the tragedy. Because as you remember, they were quite young. They mm-hmm. were 18 and 15. And as I was doing this, I was so surprised by what I discovered in terms of my own disconnection with them as a parent, first and foremost, and then the fact that I had not seen them for all they were in their racial difference. Right, right that I I was discovering that truth and what I consider to be a path to the connection with my son today, I felt, wow, I need to share this.
0: Right. Understanding at last, right? I mean, the title always says so much about a book.
1: Right. And another reason, Ben, was, and it's a true story. A couple of months after the tragedy, I went to these big bookstores in Miami and I wanted to find the magic book that would help me as a parent with a child in crime. Well, there's nothing. And I know now why parents with a child in crime will not write about it because it's very difficult and it has to end and perhaps start with your role as the parent um, because there's no way a child will simply get into crime. And this was my biggest discovery, that my son did not fall into crime because of poor social influences or just the teenage years or just circumstances outside of our control. He chose crime because he was not well to begin with. And he was not well in part because he had he was disconnected from the most important uh, people in his life including me
0: yeah and you talk about this i mean you had this you had this incredible career i mean you didn't grow up in a family that had huge ties to the diplomatic corps you kind of pay, blazed your own trail into what is a very coveted job i know you worked for lloyd axworthy back in uh, back in the day and found your way sort of in the in the in the foreign service that's not an easy career to embark on you must have been very driven and, 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 and very focused on it as well. you need to devote a lot of time to a career like that.
1: And I was and in part that's what I kind of expected uh, my my children to to follow a path similar to me. but I was lucky. Uh, yes, I worked really hard. I invested and I had a this curiosity and appetite for the world uh, at a very young age. But I also recognize now more so than then that uh, I was also propelled by forces as a white woman who was in the right circumstances and was able to do that. Whereas for my children, it was a different experience that they were going through.
0: Right. You 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 meet and marry uh, the the father of your of your children while you're still in university. Again, someone from a completely different background, very different from your background, but in some ways it it also encapsulated in some sense, your your idea of wanting to see the world and just have kind of a different life than maybe the one you grew up in.
1: Yes. And I was, I was in my 20s and I thought I could embrace every situation. He was uh, interesting as a person. He was very intelligent and still is. We're still in communication uh, vis-a-vis our son. And I fell in love. And it's a very beautiful feeling. And, and as I embarked on my professional career, I was going from success to success. And then he was struggling a bit. And, and that created some tensions into our relationships. And then once we have the children, that's when you see the test of do we come at it from a common parenting? And there were some tensions there that impacted our children. And I see it more clearly now. And I, I realized, as I revisited those years, when I wanted to see more clearly, how there too, I did not see him for all that he was in terms of his racial difference. Yeah, And I ended up seeing my children like Oreo cookies, like black on the outside and white in the inside, because they were the sons of Roxanne Bay. They were going to be succeeding. And so uh, according to the same path that I had taken where I left my family young and I, I just went alone in Ottawa and I didn't know anybody, and I I, may, I, I, was a, I was lucky in a way to be able to forge my way forward, very much thinking that I can I can do it all and not realizing that the circumstances of others around me may not be the same.
0: The police showed up, surrounded the house, and you know, they, they dragged a young kid out. He was screaming something at his brother, you know, nasty words, and his brother, and the police tell him that, that he killed them. Now at six, one of the sons of a top diplomat in the Canadian government is dead. Her second son arrested in a drug deal gone wrong. The 15-year-old son is charged with felony murder in the shooting that left his 17-year-old brother dead. The teens are the sons of the Canadian Consul General in Miami. Roxanne Dubé is a former Canadian diplomat. Her book is called Understanding at Last. Roxanne, at at this point, I mean, reading through you leaving Zimbabwe, heading back to Ottawa, and then getting this opportunity in Miami, and anyone who's been in Miami would always think, oh, Consul General, I think I even saw the office. Consul General Miami, that must be a good job. Uh, And you arrived there, you must have arrived there with, with hopes and expectations, and with your two boys who are now teenagers at this point, and 118, 115 and lots of hopes that uh, maybe this will be a good place to be and that everything will find itself in this new spot on the beach, so to speak.
1: Yes. And and I had uh, I, just before we left, I mm. explained it in the book. Uh, Jean, my oldest son, had some um, issues with drug trafficking. So I was hopeful that we, w- we were going to pull it out of there and put him in a really good school in the southern part of Miami in Pinecrest. And he was going to have a, a new start. And he wanted it too. And for me, of course, it was a, a great uh, professional opportunity. And off we went. And the narrative I was telling me in, in my head at the time was, I'm a good mother. I'm doing this to help my son. It's going to put him on a better footing. Uh, he deserves this. I deserve this. And I cannot do any more than what I'm doing now. Uh, and I was putting it in a sense on his shoulder to say, okay, I'm the good mother here. I'm doing the best. And I was, uh, I loved it so much, loved him so much. And I put him the responsibility on him now. Okay. So you go off and you, you do good here. Uh, you in a perfect environment to, to do that, despite what people say about crime in Miami. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a full body of the city that is very thriving and very full of opportunities. Uh, and that's where we were, uh, not realizing. That he needed help, he was lost, and and therefore, two months later, tragedy hit.
0: Two months, it was that I remember. I remember when it happened because it was again. I've always thought of what it must be like for you because it was so public for you. I mean, oftentimes these situations for parents can be. I mean, you know, people understand that it's that it's publicized, but in your case, it was so very public. Tell me about that night because I, I know you you. Described it in your own way, what happened that evening, where you were and what and how you heard.
1: Well, I heard in uh they left uh at about one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and they said that they were gonna go to a bookstore to buy a book and then they were gonna go to see a movie. And late at night I got a call from our embassy in Washington saying well, something has happened. There seems to have been gunshot. Your sons may be involved. And I rushed like a crazy woman uh, to the main hospital in Miami. Uh, I made a fool of myself trying to find out about my son. And eventually somebody flipped me a little piece of paper and said, call this person, which was a detective. And he told me, Jean was dead. And I went to the police station. It was by then like, early in the morning, he informed me quite coldly uh, that uh, Mark was also uh, charged with first-degree murder. In the space of of about an hour, my life was turned upside down. And that's when I tried to describe in the book, in as objective a way as possible, the journey of a 15-year-old through the judicial system, through the prison system, and then through the boot camp system. And the whole way that the, the system is structured, which is flawed. And it, it wasn't the main goal of me when I wrote, but now I feel there's also something there for Canadians. You know, we have 4 million Canadians going to Florida every year. When I recall the story, people can see, in a sense, the parameters, the nature, and more importantly, the limits of what your Canadian government can do for you when you get involved with justice. And how, on the flip side, the culture, the system in Florida in particular, but also in the rest of the United States is is very difficult to navigate through.
0: I mean, I, I don't even know where you begin to figure out what to do in that circumstance. I mean, I, having read through the book, I, I realized that what you did is that you realized, I don't think, I, I can't imagine you you had coped with any of the grief yet, but you realized there was a son to protect, that you'd lost one, but there was one that needed your help now.
1: Right. And that was. Th- this is what propelled me to 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 stay put and to carry and to go forward. Because I know now, Ben, when you have so much sadness, when you have so much guilt and regret, those are very powerful emotions that draw you down. And I, there were moments when I didn't tell my son, I didn't tell anyone, but I genuinely know what it is. When it's so dark, you don't know if you're going to make it. But having to defend Mark, I think, was a big motivation. And luckily, and this is the beauty of our story, is you see a 15-year-old become a young man and realizing, like, yes, I, w- I maybe I wanted to die when it happened. And that's what he told me when I saw him in prison. But then... He goes to grieve. He asks himself questions: Why did my brother did this? What is it for me? What do I want with my life? And then move on and on and on and grows out of it. And then you also see the good of a defense system who can take on their plight uh, on their on their back, if you will, a young boy who they believed into. So there's there's a story of hope, uh, and that's why we. Both wanted it out to demonstrate that, that path. I, uh, it's the mother that is the happiest in the world because I get, I get to have my son back. And um, um, I would hide if I wouldn't say it's been difficult.
0: She will never, of course, get her older son back, shot dead while up to no good. The state and defense called the plea bargain for the younger brother a just result. This gives him a chance to straighten out his life, and if he takes that chance, he will go forward. If he fails, he will be harshly punished. This is a young man that does have significant redeeming qualities. Uh, unfortunately, made a horrible decision to hang out uh, with his older brother, who apparently was up to no good. We now know. Roxanne Dubé is a former Canadian diplomat. We're talking about her book tonight, Understanding at Last. It tells the very difficult story. And you may remember this story from 2015. In March of 2015, Roxanne Dubé was the recently appointed or just had arrived in Miami to become Canada's consul general there after a long diplomatic career. With her were her two sons, Jean and Marc Um She'd been married and divorced at this point. Her sons were in their teens. Jean was 18. Mark was 15. Jean had some trouble back in Ottawa with, with the law a little bit and uh, Roxanne figured that this trip this move to Miami would be a new beginning for all of them within 2 months for reasons i guess still unknown and perhaps never be, never understandable uh, jean was involved in a in a robbery that went wrong and both he and the person that was being robbed were killed mark was in the car at the time uh, that jean had driven there and he too was arrested by police and at this point of course Roxanne sees one son racked with guilt they're trying to comprehend this Incredible loss of the eldest Jean, and then from there, Roxanne, you tell this. I mean, I know for a fact that you basically invested every penny you had, just trying to figure out how you couldn't get Mark back out of there and back onto a better path. And this took all your energy for a while, right? When you were trying to figure out how he could be spared what looked like could it might be a very long prison sentence that would be essentially the end of his the end of life as you knew it.
1: Absolutely, and and it was the end of life for two reasons. For me, it was almost, and I talked earlier about how uh, I became a little bit emotional about how you really want to find a meaning in your life. And I I could see how serious this was. He was charged uh, with two murders and armed robbery. And every time we would go to court, the prosecutor, and eventually we found out that the judge was very much on her side were reminding us that he was facing a life in prison. And then we went through a system where police do lie. If it wasn't for a video, he would have been in prison today. That's my understanding of, of right. how serious this was. So for me, it was how can I possibly help a boy I know, or teenager, let's say a teenager to, you, to your listener, to be, to be fair to the fact that he knew that his brother wanted to go and steal marijuana. And I do say that in the book. Yes. But he was sitting in the passenger seat of the car. He didn't have a gun. He didn't have any means of communicating with his brother. He didn't take any action on the ground by way of any assault, any use of a gun or anything to that could possibly incriminate him. And yet he was charged those things as felony. And in the Floridian system, it's very serious because he was propelled into adult court, like in no time. Right. And so he was facing very, very serious circumstances. So for that, of course, you throw everything possibly at it.
0: I can't, you know, I, again reading your story, I can't imagine what that combination of 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 guilt, anger, despair, and responsibility must be like, all mixed into one, because you did have this other boy you did have mark to worry about and he he had witnessed this he lost his brother and must have been racked with guilt about what he could have done to stop it if only he had said something and then there's your situation and then you throw into all of that this idea of the disconnect of of a white mom with her with her with her kids who are living in a different reality perhaps even a, a much more acute different reality in this in a place like florida uh it's a lot to, it's a lot to understand you know a lot of people would have Would have just everything would just would have worked out okay, and yet you faced all these incredible challenges to try to get through. Do you ever think that? I I mean, i reading through the book. Obviously, one says, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. You were, you were a good mom, are a good mom.
1: Well, and I agree. I agree. The guilt and all of that that really pushed me down and almost got me to stay there. I don't want to minimize. how and it's and it's a fear that really I've never experienced when you really are not sure you're going to make it but I think eventually what what did go through what made it happen for me and it was deliberate is once I figured out that there was something vis-a-vis my relationship with my own children that I had overlooked Mm -hmm. because as a parent when things don't go well we often think well why is he doing this? You know, he, he must know this is, this is hurting me. This is, and I realized that that was, I was angry at my oldest son, which I had not pinned down before I went to Miami. Then it made me feel, wait a minute here, Roxanne, you really need to figure out what is it that was your relationship with your children before you went down, not the reverse. And Put aside the other factors, they are way worth to look at in terms of the undue influences of older uh, young men who take teenagers on the right road. That's worth looking at. But for me, what got me out was, no, I'm going to focus on this because if I do this right, if I find the truth there, I'm going to be able to say to that woman, and this is what I say to that woman now, that Roxanne, at the time, with what she knew, she did the best that she could. And and the other piece that will, is also helping Ben is, of course, my son. Uh, and, and the fact that he, the connection with him now and what he's doing with his life. And this is why, this is what got me to the finish line with the book. Because there were many moments where I felt... What are you doing here, Roxanne? Maybe, you know, who do you think uh, is going to be interested in this? But what got me to the finish line is this. There came a time where I said to myself, this did not happen to us. This happened for us. And if I put my arms down and if I embrace it all and, and really take the time, to figure out what I had to learn with this, that if I can make sense of it to the others, there may be some some learnings there uh, that could be helpful because as I said earlier, so many, so few parents write about crime.
0: So How few parents they- in your situation write about it, indeed. Because it's so because it's so tough to, to to admit, although I, I mean, when we talk so much these days about sort of talking things out, one would assume someone in a situation such as yours, um, especially with with a, with a son, another son to worry about and to raise, and to, another son to help make sense of this too, that talking it out would be the most beneficial thing. But I, you, as you pointed out, there there just isn't much out there for people in your situation. There's no there is no guidebook right to what you were living through.
1: No, I have a drawer in my in my room uh, in my in my desk. And I call it the, the drawer of lamentations because you should have seen the first versions of the chapters. I The world was all wrong and I was all right. And it, But that process of putting uh, words on paper, it really works as a therapy because you see the words on paper. And at some point you say to yourself, I cannot close that door by writing it this way. So you go and you search and you search and you search. Um, conversations with my son and people sometimes say hey you're too hard on yourself in the book or why are you just so much focusing on your role as a parent
0: mm-hmm.
1: and my response is because in in when we talk about children and crime in my view now it would be my contention is we don't talk enough about that part of it parents who have children who are isolating who are mutilating themselves, who are in some form of delinquence. I, I cannot overstate how helpful to me it was to say to myself, stop thinking about how you feel in this and start thinking about how you relate and how perhaps your son feel. And because that's when I discovered how he could not connect with me because I was angry if you were angry right. as a parent,
0: you were disappointed. Child, you were disappointed yeah. in him. Yeah.
1: And yeah. He knew, that. he
0: knew that. And he knew that.
1: That's yes, Right. But there was no path to for him to, to, to connect and for him to feel, okay, I need help. And for me to say,
0: yes, I am there. Roxanne Dubé is a former Canadian diplomat. Her book is called Understanding at Last. Roxanne, you, you, you've left Florida at this point. Mark has served what will be his time. He's been uh, found guilty of a much, he's, I think, pleaded guilty or found guilty of something much less serious. He's done the boot camp thing um, and then he's been allowed to come back to Canada. And you, this is sort of the new start for the two of you. Uh, but but with the life very much changed, but he very, he finds his way. He sort of ends up at Al- Algonquin College and you sort of, things feel like they're right again don't they and that must have been i don't know what the what the emotion would have been like for you other than satisfying i suppose
1: absolutely and 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 he he first of all uh before he left for miami there was the boot camp which is a mm-hmm. six months very sports driven uh uh, activity. And he, if he was here, he would say this was beneficial to him. Uh, that was the one good thing he had. And the other comment I would make is the circumstances in which he came back to Canada are extraordinary. Uh, if you read the book in terms of the, the various uh, players uh, and a misunderstanding between the Floridian and national authorities. But yeah. now he's here. And the minute he gets here, within a day, he announces to me that he converted to islam interesting imagine my, An- my another
0: challenge for you right to try to understand these these young men who are your boys
1: Exactly. So you go to where most parents would go. Who did you talk to in prison? What were the influences? It must have been this. It must have been that. And it turned out to be no, it was nobody in prison. It was a child who had looked at the Bible, who had looked at other things and said, what is makes sense in my life? There has to be something deeper than what I have seen around me in jail. And so with that discipline in his life, because Islam brings a lot of discipline and a sense of good, may I dare say, and peace, that is also what I discovered in that community. He then charted a path towards uh, helping others. In the last year and a half, he's really started to realize, no, what I really want to do is social work. So he's, as part of an Islamic organization, he's building programs in the community in Ottawa uh, with young people, um, and not so young people, but with the young people, it's about prevention of crime, and it's about uh, coaching young men to be, young boy, to be better men, because he notices there are um, quite a number of young people out there. Uh, that are not doing so well,
0: and you're a grandparent, so, and you're a grandparent, and
1: I'm a grandparent. Yes, he uh, he got married, and I have a little girl, uh, Janna, and uh, and it's it's immensely
0: fulfilling. Someone once told me that when it comes to a biography like that or an autobiography, there's no ending, right? Because it's life, so there is no way to end it perfectly. But you walked must have walked away from that experience of having written this all down. Uh, with with a thought about what it was that you'd gone through and where you are now, uh, well, nine years later, right?
1: Right, and 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 as I was saying earlier, I think once I realized there's no kind of putting this aside and kind of continuing on a path, uh, even in the career as I I had understood it. Uh, Although I was told and I I know it was true that they were more than happy to reappoint me as a head of mission elsewhere, I knew this was over for me because this had impacted us so much. So it took me on a different trajectory uh, around the issue of doing my part as a member of an increasingly pluralistic society where we have people of different culture, of different origin. And I was, as you heard, in, as you see in the book, I, I was granted the privilege to head the, the training institute of the Canadian diplomats. Mm-hmm. It really caught me to think about what I could do better, A, with my own personal story, B, with my professional career, C, with the additional uh, certification that I got to play my part in this. And this is what I do now.
0: And 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 just as when people walk away from this book, because I I think it's one of those stories that's difficult to read, um, because of what happened, and it still resonates years later. Even seeing the images of back then, now, of course, your son Mark is on the cover of the book, and he looks so different now than he did as a boy, right at fifteen. But and it reminds you how much time has passed. But when you people read this, what would you like them to walk away from this reading of, and what, walk away thinking about that night and you and your family and all that happened since?
1: Well, I would like them to 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 walk away with the cover of the book. The cover of the book is we go through difficult circumstances in life. Nothing is more important than our close family. And even though we may have been profoundly disconnected, here, here on the book of the on the cover, you see a mother who is looking at her child. Seeing him, hopefully now, in all that he is, in his differences, in his commonalities, is connected with that child, and he is looking at the future, and that is the message that Mark and I wanted to transmit here: is that there is always, not always, but there is, there can be hope, and and difficult circumstances. Um, that even tarnish your reputations it's just a moment in life it's you can do something with it and move on with it and 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 that's what we're trying to do and and are grateful for the opportunity to be able to tell our story
0: roxanne thank you so much
1: thank you